It's such a beautiful morning to welcome you here to Providence. We're so glad you're here. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors, and yeah, just thanks. Thank you. Thank you for being here. We uh, continue a study this morning of the book of Galatians, which is uh, a letter we've talked about, a letter written by a guy named Paul, who uh, a certain uh, period of his life just tried to get everything right religiously and follow all the rules, and then he had this moment where he encountered Jesus on a road that changed everything. And he found that really um, the only thing that was going to get him <laughs> through life, the only thing that was going to save him was, was this Jesus. That's why we've been singing about him uh, so much this morning. But we're looking at four questions in the book of Galatians, four questions that I think have a lot to do and a lot to say to us about freedom that we can find in our lives here today. So we're doing an interesting thing that Christians do, do which is look at an ancient book and an ancient text believing that God actually inspired it uh, through his spirit and that it has something to say to you and to me today. So I'll be uh, reading some verses at the end of Galatians chapter 2 into Galatians chapter 3. And at the end of it, I'll say this is the word of God for the people of God and invite you to say thanks be to God with me. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a phrase I want us to think about this morning. It's this, I'll take it from here. You'll hear me say that several times. I'll take it from here. Say that with me. I'll take it from here. It's something that you say uh, when you've asked your co- co-worker to do something for you, and then he or she is kind of letting that go lax, and a deadline is coming, and your boss uh, is bringing heat on you, and so you go to him and you say, thanks, I'll take it from here. Or uh, this could be played out with a kid in the house. You know, you're asking them to do a chore for you. There's some folks (laughs) coming over and you could do it quicker. You could do it better, but you want them to do it because you want them to learn some discipline in their life. So you've asked them to do this, this chore and they're not getting it done. The folks are coming over. You say, thanks, I'll take it from here, which is another way of saying, get out of the way, right? Uh, Another one is, uh, this is a hypothetical, purely hypothetical. Uh, (laughs) Let's say a wife asks a husband to mop the floor and she shouldn't have to ask. Um, and you're, uh, you're, mopping the, you're mopping the floor, or in the situation, the, the husband's mopping the floor, and the wife is looking, and she thinks that, you're, that, she, that the husband is actually mopping the floor incorrectly so as to not be asked to mop the floor in a future instance. And so in that situ- situation, hypothetically, rather than inflicting harm, she just says, I'll take it, I'll take it from here. I think that sometimes, as crazy as it sounds, we, we actually say to God, I'll take it from here. We would never do that in the beginning, right? We would never do that at the get-go when we're on the road and we meet Jesus. We know at that point, like, I am nothing without you. I can't do, do anything without you. But there's, there's something that happens. I think it's why Paul uh, writes some questions that we're going to look at where inadvertently 
and probably unintentionally, we find ourselves down the line and we have said to God, I'll take it from here. I, I, can, I can handle this. So just to kind of get us back to the, the question in Galatians, he starts by saying, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? We looked last week and said, it appears sometimes in this letter that Paul is mad. It's kind of, the, you know, that kind of language. And we said, perhaps he is, he's frustrated, but he is, uh, he's also full of love. He's so serious about this that he says, you foolish Galatians, who's tricked you? Before your very eyes, he says, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. What he means by that, the Galatians did not see Jesus crucified. Uh, they're living in, a, in an area of present-day Turkey, far away from that area, and some years past that event. What he's saying is, I showed you Jesus Christ crucified. Those words, before your very eyes, the Greek words that were translated, actually literally are just saying, I put up a poster in front of you. I put up a placard in front of you. I tried to show you what Jesus has done. That's really important to understand what he's going to get to next to say why it's so important that you have to let God handle it, okay? And then he says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Now, we can't hear tone in an old letter, but I think it's possible uh, Paul's tone in that is sort of like, your mama's tone might have been to you, and it's like, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Sometimes uh, a mom might say, I'm confused. You ever get that? I'm confused. <laughs> What's mom saying? She said, I have taught you a way. <laughs> oh my goodness, I have taught you a way to live and be, and you're acting in a totally different way. So I would like to just ask you one thing. I would like to learn just one thing from you. And then this next question sounds really kind of churchy, and we'll unpack it a little bit, but just here he says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, like by what you've done, or by believing what you heard? The answer is through belief. And he says, are you so foolish? He's frustrated, okay? And then this is our question for the week. After beginning by means of the Spirit, after beginning with God, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh, by your own effort? Another way of saying that might be, after beginning with God, are you now trying to finish on your own? My hope is um, that you would let this question, which is a word from, a word from God, just kind of sit in your heart for a little bit. I'll, I'll bring it up a couple more times. And think about, are there some things, some places in your life where God got you going, where you started with God, and now you're trying to finish on your own? You're saying, uh, I'll take it from here. Why would we do that, guys? Why would we do that? Why would, why would we say, um, thank you, God, I prayed for the job, you got me the job, but I'll take it from here? Why would we say, we prayed for this child, we prayed for this child, but I'll take it from here. I'm going to pretty much do everything uh, for this child. Or, or in our marriages, you know, we made these promises before God and these people that we love in community, but some years back we said, I'll take it from here. We'll take it from here. And you get down the line, not months, but, but years down the line, and you're just kind of doing your thing. You didn't even realize when you answered the question, are you trying now to finish on your own? You're just like, yeah, I'm doing that. So I want to unpack just a few reasons for actually reasons why I think we might say I'll take it from here. Because if not, I think it would be easy just to say, ah, it's an old question, old, old scripture question. This doesn't mean anything for me. So here's, here's four reasons why I think some of us might have said in our lives, I'll take it from here to God. The first is I'm tired. I think tired is like the epidemic of our current culture. It's what I hear over and over from people as a pastor. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And we end up doing all this stuff. Like, why'd you do that? I'm tired. How did you end up over here? I'm just, I'm just so tired. It seems like the opposite. It seems like we would say, I'm tired, God, please help me. Or even to our community of people, I'm tired. This is where I need you to step in. This is where I need your help. I'm tired. But that's not what we do, I assure you. 
What we do instead is say, I'm tired, so I'll take it. I'm tired, I got this. And we start trudging down that road of tired where we're trying to just get through it, but in fact, we're going deeper and deeper into exhaustion. It's one of the reasons I think we say, I'll take it from here. The second is, I'm angry. And I, um, I sense uh, that a lot of us, because of our fatigue, get angry quicker. And we find ourselves talking to the people we love in angry ways, and we don't know how we got there. We don't, we're like, I don't even know where the, where the anger is stemming from. I was driving down uh, 840 with my family uh, not too long ago, and we were going back and forth from Murfreesboro. We were tired because we're tired. You know, we're going a bunch of places, and we're doing all this stuff. I knew that I was tired, and while I was driving, someone threw their McDonald's, that's how I say it, McDonald's, uh, trash out the window, and it landed right on our, on our windshield, like this loud bang, and I knew it was McDonald's because it had the golden arches, like right, right before my face, you know, and I didn't say anything, I just accelerated, I'm like, mm. I'm like where am I going, <laughs> what am I going to do, you know, when I get there, I don't, you know, I don't know, uh, what, what I would even do, but I'm just kind of taking the wheel. I've got this. I'll handle this. And this is what Rachel says to me in, in situations like this. She just says, Jake, that's it. And what, what she's saying is you realize, like, when we get up next to the guy, whatever you're thinking is going to happen, it's probably going to be somebody that goes to our church. You know, so, because <laughs> I can't get angry at anybody. I have to walk around this town just happy with everybody. You know, it's like... You pull up next to him like, oh, he's fifth row. I know him. Yeah, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just ease back. But the, real re- the reason Rach is saying Jake is because she knows I'm trying to finish by means of the flesh. You know, I have that in me. And if I'm tired, I get angrier, easier, and I start taking it from here. Another reason we do it is because we're hurt. And there's some of us here this morning that would say, that's me. I'm just hurt. I'm just hurting. I can't even... I can't even trace it back to one person anymore. I'm just hurting. I'm wounded. Somebody broke your trust. And somebody else broke your trust. Some of us would even say, I, I'm having a trust problem with God right now. Yeah. I've had this thing I've been looking, asking for. I thought I was doing all this stuff. I've been coming here, you know, and, and we can get in this place where we're just hurt. And in the hurt, it's a protective thing. We'll say, I'll take it from here. Because when you're not taking it from here, you're like this. You're, you're handing it over. But when you're hurt, a lot of times they'll do this. I remember when I was a young pastor, 21, 22 years old, and in between services, this lady came to pray with me. Her husband was sick. He'd been sick a long time. He was dying. She, and, and so I said, let's pray. And so we're praying. I said this line that I've probably prayed with many of you. I still say it. I'll say, God, you tell us in your word that we can ask. There's a scripture that's, that God says, you know, you can ask, you know, seek, knock, ask. And so that's what I said. I, it was we were praying. I said, God, you tell us in your word that we can ask. And when I said that, the lady kind of held my hands in a way that stopped the prayer. And she looked me in the eyes and she said, young man, I have asked. And I realized I was stepping into something, you know, uh, that had been, I felt her hurt. She was still coming to God, but I felt her hurt in that moment. And some of us, you know, might say, I have asked. You might even say, I have, I've heard this before, Jacob. I have handed it over to God. But I'm hurt, and it leads us to say, I'll take it from here. And the fourth one is the sneakiest. So listen up. This is the sneakiest one. I think sometimes we say, I'm competent. I'm able. I can handle stuff. You should see my track record. You know, I've done a lot of good stuff. Some of it is even uh, our giftedness from God. 
And we can even in our giftedness from God begin to leave God uh, on the side, on the sideline. And so we have to be really careful that just because, uh, you know, sometimes I'll say to God, I feel like I'll say to God, I got this one. You know, not my whole life, you know, not the big stuff, but I got this one, I've got this day. And what happens is you do about 10 days like that and then you'll end up doing like 10 months like that and you get to this place where Paul would be coming to us and asking the question, after beginning by means of the the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? We come to that that place and and the answer to that question, so I'm gonna give you the answer to the question. We won't even mess around. It's 1045 service, lunch is coming, all that kind of stuff. So uh, here's the answer to the question. After beginning with God, are you trying to finish on your own? Here's what you need to say. God, no. Or you can flip it and say, no, God. Because some of us in our lives, we know right now, I've, I've been saying yes to that. I've been, I've been doing it on my own. But the answer is to say, no. No, I'm tired. I'm like really tired. I'm like really, really, really tired. I'm accelerating on the 840. I went to the tired, to the, to the angry, right? And it's in that place that we have to say, I need your help, God. I'm hurt, God. I've hurt other people and that hurt me and, and I've just got a big mess of hurt. So to think that I could figure all this out and handle it on my own is, as Paul would say, foolish. So I need you to heal me, God. I need you to come into my life and heal me. Some of us, we need to say, no, God, or God, no, I'm competent. That's what everybody sees. I'm the teacher. I'm the principal. I'm the pastor. I'm mom. I'm the captain of the team. Everybody sees me as competent. But you, God, you know the truth. You know that I feel really weak. Some of us walk around, you know, with our our competence on, and we know inside, I'm really weak. I need your help, God. After beginning by means of the Spirit, I'm trying to finish in the flesh. It's not working. It's going terribly for me. And so I need you, God, to, to come in. When I come up here to preach, I've done this for 10 years. I just started as my prayer, and I've just kept it going. I tell God before I come up, I, because it's how I feel, I say, I'm weak. I feel really weak right now, God. On Tuesday when I wrote this sermon, I felt really clever and really smart. It was just me in the coffee shop, and I was like, boom, this is going to be awesome. And then the moment before I walk up, I know I'm not clever enough I'm not smart enough. I didn't prepare enough. I'm not enough. And so I tell God I'm weak. And I ask God if, if his grace would be enough for me. And I begin to, to pray a prayer. Another thing that Paul wrote where Paul says, Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in what? Your weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will most gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, Paul learned a secret that some of us are, are, are still learning, and that is it's actually in our brokenness and our weakness that the power of Christ is magnified. It's actually in that broken place, in our, in our weak place. And that's why, you know, you'll hear me from time to time just tell you guys, I don't have it all going quite right. I don't have it all figured out. God's working in my life, but I'll boast in my weakness so that I can, I can experience the power of Christ. I don't want to preach from my own power, I've done it before. You know what? It stinks. And you have experienced it. (laughs) It's a mutual thing, right? So that's sort of part of my calling. What's part of your calling? What's God asking you to do? Where's God leading you day after day? What would it be like if instead you said, God, I'm weak. I need your power to be magnified in my weakness. Paul says it just a little bit different in Galatians chapter 2, but I think he's on the same thing. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. 
You know, like we see the crucifixion of Jesus, like, oh my gosh. Paul's like, I, I experienced, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, that's what we're all doing right now. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see how he just keeps going through it. He just keeps um, putting the poster up of what Jesus has done. I live Here's how I live, not by all the works and checking all the religious boxes. It's good to do good things. I'm not telling you to run willy-nilly. And I'm not saying that at all. But he's understanding that his, his being saved, his life is connected to Jesus and believing in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus loved him and gave himself for him. It's just over uh, and over and over. You see, we try and pick up where God leaves off, but God never leaves off. You know, we think, okay, I'm not at this point. I'll, I'll pick up where God leaves off. But God never leaves off. We think, God, thank you for getting me thus far. I'll take it from here. And God's like, I was planning on going the whole, <laughs> the whole way. One of my favorite stories from my childhood, which y'all have heard a billion times, so all I'm going to do today is make it slightly shorter, uh, but I want to tell it again. Is when I was in first grade, my first bike, I had my training wheels taken off. I was so pumped. This was the 80s. It was the time of, of BMX bikes. I had a red Huffy. It had red tires. So picture that. The tire, the actual tires were red. Got it? And so I had the training wheels taken off. And at that time on my street, there were some boys, some older guys down the street a quarter mile. So they had built this ramp that went over a ditch. My older brother was one of them. And so they were jumping the ditch. And I had been watching them do that on my training wheels. But the day I got my training wheels off, my mom said to me, Jacob, you can go anywhere down this street. You can do anything you want, as if she was reading my mind. She said, but you can't go jump the ditch. I went straight to the ditch, and I hit the ramp. I was in the air, and when I was in the air, I felt like a million bucks. I felt like I was free from that mom who had all these restrictions for me. For me. I felt that I had flown the coop. I felt like I was saying, I'll take it from here. But the moment didn't last too long, and my front wheel hit the other side of the ditch, and I went where physics say that you go, which is over the handlebars, and my face, I landed in the ditch, my lip busted, and I began to cry. And I only remember a few moments there in the dirt and the blood and the tears, and then my mom picked me up. And I thought, how did my mom know I was going to go jump the ditch? And this vivid memory I have is of, of me just leaning into her. And I remember this, the, the, the look of, of blood and tears and dirt on my mom's shoulder. And I thought, all the while, I thought I'd flown the coop. I thought that I'd gone to a place where I'd say, I'll take it from here. And my mom, while I was riding that red huffy down the street, was matching me step for step. And sometimes with God, we get down the road in our life and somehow we think, I'll, I'm going to go here on my own. And God's like, oh, goodness, no. <laughs> and then God matches us step for step. Don't you see? That's the gospel. That's the good news. Not that you're going to be able to work it all out. Not that you're going to get it right every single time. Not that you're going to be the perfect religious person. Paul says, no, it's, it's about what Jesus has done for you, who has come to where we are, who's come right into where you are into your blood and dirt and tears. Not outside of the mess, but into the mess. You see, the Spirit forms us in the womb and carries us until our very last breath. The Scriptures tell us in this beautiful kind of description of God knowing us before he formed us and forming us in the womb and then carrying us to our very last breath. What I'm trying to say is God is not intermittent with you. God is not an every once in a while. God in your life, no, no. There's no place 
that you have gone, the scripture says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so wherever you're at, you're not outside of God's love and God's grace and God's hope and God's plan. You're perfectly in God's view. And then in the scripture, Paul does this interesting turn, interesting, or a question that caught my attention because it didn't seem to completely fit. He asked this question. He says, have you suffered so many things in vain? Uh, so he's, he's asking like, so the things that you've lost, the, the trials that you've encountered, the hardships that you've encountered, is that all in vain? And what Paul's trying to say is as Christians, our suffering is not in vain. The things that you have given up, the things that you have lost, um, in Second in, in Timothy, it says everyone who seeks to live a godly life will encounter hardship or trial or persecution. So if you're here this morning, you're like, I'm going to try, I'm going to give this a shot. Well, the, the Bible is, is guaranteeing you some trouble. Jesus says that people won't like you because of me. Actually, he says it a little more descriptive. He says, you will be hated for my name's sake. And some of you are thinking, ooh, real uplifting message this morning, Jacob. Well, guess what? It's not my job just to uplift you. It's my job to teach you what's in the book. And the cool thing is, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you. The encouraging thing is that everybody in this room has experienced loss and sacrifice and suffering. And the good news is, Paul's saying, you don't have to do that in vain. The Bible says that our momentary troubles are working for us in eternal glory that far outweighs what you're going through right now. And so it's not just a right now thing. It's not just a, a, a in the moment thing. It's not your opportunity to say, I'll take it from here. You better hold on to God because this is about the whole deal. This is about eternity. And so the thing that you're going through, the suffering that you're encountering right now, it's not, it's not in vain at all. God is working in your life, even through your suffering. And so if you're here this morning, say, I, I do want to be a part of this, but I know that it means loss for me. I know that it means sacrifice. You see, the Galatians that Paul was writing to were giving up their possessions, their relationships, the way they were viewed in public. This wasn't a joke for them. The reason Paul's being so serious is because it was serious. And I think the American church gets in a little bit of trouble if we take away how serious this is. It's not just an hour that we come. This is about our very lives and a God who wants to encounter us all throughout it. So the question is, after beginning with God, are you now trying to finish on your own? It's a very important one. And in that place where we are saying, oh, um, I think I have been trying to do that, but I'm gonna say today, uh, no, God, no, I don't wanna finish on my own. It's in that place that we hear God say, okay, I'll take it from here. That's the powerful, I'll take it from here when you hear God say, I've got this, I've got you. You're never gonna get it uh, perfectly right. I love your striving in it, God says, but, but what's gonna save you is your faith in Jesus Christ. After beginning with God, are you now trying to finish on your own? Let us pray. God, thank you for uh, asking us questions, moving in our lives, pushing on us. I pray for those in this room who have who've been asking you for something. I pray for the, those of us who've been suffering, who've experienced loss. Help us to see it connected to our faith connected to what Jesus has done for us. And we join our voices together in praying as a way of, of bringing our hearts before you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.